You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Learning without teaching is sterile and empty. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my dear friend. Welcome back to For the Love of History. I am TK, your tour guide to the past. Thank you so much for joining me today, and boy is it a good day to be here, because we are talking about a freaking seven-layer inspiration cake of a woman, and I rarely say this, but you probably haven't heard of her. I know, how cliche is that of me to say, as a history podcast host, but I'm serious, I'm super serious, but okay, TK, get to the point, you're right, focus. I won't hold you in suspense any longer. We are talking about the one, the only, the Nigerian education warrior princess, Nana Asmao. Whew, this is a goosebump-inducing episode in the best way. Good goosebumps. Good goosebumps <laughs> are in store for you in this episode. So let's just get into it. Grab your beverage, settle into your commute. And let's get to it. My fantastic, beautiful friend, today is a day of firsts. I believe this is our first time venturing to Nigeria. Yay! I'm so excited about it. Okay, well, actually, it's not technically Nigeria, but it would turn into Nigeria. But we're not, we're not here to split hairs. The year is 1793, and two little babies have been born to the Sokots Salafate, Salafate, <laughs> the Sokoto Caliphate's founder, Usman Dan Fodio. One of these little babies would be the second Sokoto Caliphate's leader, and the other would turn into the woman who stitched the world together, Nana Asmao. Named after Asma bint Abi Bakr, a companion of the Prophet Muhammad. The clan that Nana was born to was called the Fodio clan. And Fodio means learned. All the children in the clan, regardless of their gender, were educated by their mothers and fathers and other teachers. This was incredibly rare at the time because the previous leaders of the caliphate were vehemently opposed to the education of women and girls. From the age of five, Nana would be trained in language, the Quran, morality, math, science, history, literature, politics, strategy, basically all of the things that you need to become a freaking badass lady. 
She went to a little one-room school founded by her father, where she started out by copying and memorizing the Quran on wooden planks and using a little tiny instrument made of soot and resin to write with. At night, she would wait with her siblings in her father's room for him to come home so that they could chat about the day's lessons and he could check their homework. As the leader of the clan whose mission was education, he took a vested interest in what and how his children were learning. Which, if that is not the most wholesome thing, I don't know what is. I miss you, Dad. Love you. Okay. Like, seriously, the only thing that could make it cuter or more wholesome is if you, like, throw a puppy and a basket full of kittens in there and, like, the old man from the movie up. It's the only way it could get more wholesome. But I digress. As she got older, she would move on to more difficult instruction and other educational settings. She was educated in the classics of the Arab and classical world and could speak and write in four languages. Arabic the Fula language, Hausa, and Tamachek Tuarj, which would come in handy later on in her life. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Not only did her family, and especially her father, place an extremely high value on the education of the Fodio clan, but universal education as well. Universal education for all people, like seriously universal education, Not just rich people and not just men. All people. Everybody. Usman's passion for education would be carried on in his daughter, Nana. You see, she was born during a time when female illiteracy was normalized and actually preferred. And a time when the previous and some current ruling class people thought the only reason for a woman to exist was to serve her husband. And this would just not do. Usman Dan Fodio would make it his mission to educate the population and raise the status of women to what it was and what it should be as equals in society and educational realms. But unfortunately, Nana's father would die in 1817 when she was just 24 years old. But his mission of an educated population and the empowerment of women and girls did not die with him. His daughter would carry on his legacy because to learn without teaching, they thought, was sterile and empty. Nana would undertake her biggest challenge, finding the most effective way to bridge the gap between knowing the benefits of education on society and actually getting the education to the society. Alrighty, we've got a highly educated woman and a huge ass caliphate of women who have been oppressed and denied their human given right to an education. There's no Instagram, no podcast, no phones, no trains, at least not for another 80 years, to transport her or anyone else out to the women in the first place to educate them. She couldn't just send books out to them because many of them just didn't even know how to read. They didn't know how to write. They weren't allowed to have books if they could read or write in the first place. 
What was Nana to do? She was just one woman against generations of systemic sexism and oppression. And even if she got out to those places. But this turned out to be, like, not a big deal for her. Nana had a plan, and it started with her. When her father died, Nana's brother, Abu Akbar Atuku, became the leader of the caliphate. They were extremely close. They were twins, after all. And he valued Nana's counsel and often went to her for advice. And she had a hand in lots of political goings-on. Together, they would create reforms and laws. But it wouldn't quite be enough. Nana felt like she wasn't able to reach those who really needed help. Yes, people's minds were changing, but just because the ruling class had a different idea about education didn't mean those people were getting educated. So she devised a plan to create an army of teachers. Oh, yeah. Nana amassed a huge collective of women from all over the caliphate and started a grassroots movement to educate all women. The group was called the Yantaro, or the collective, and the teachers were called Jaji, and they were expertly trained teachers and leaders of various caravans. Nana had these women go through extensive training to learn the Quran in two different languages, just in case they came across people who didn't speak one language or the other. These women had to memorize hundreds of verses using poetic mnemonic devices that Nana herself created and translated into four different languages to make memorization easier and more effective. The women would learn these mnemonic devices that were very short and simple. You could get the main idea with just the mnemonic device. But then, as the women learned more and more, the jaji could go deeper into the teachings. Nana was an adamant believer in teaching to the level of the student. And I agree. As a teacher, I agree. You can have a beautiful freaking lesson plan and it's just gorgeous and you're like, I'm going to educate some minds today. But if it's not at the level of, of understanding for your students, they're not going to give a shit. They're not going to learn nothing. Not a goddamn thing. So you got to teach to the level of your students. And that was the brilliant thing about Nana's mnemonic devices because on the surface, they were easy to understand. They were short. They were simple. They were sweet. You got the main ideas. And then once the students were able to go deeper, then the mnemonic devices would go deeper. The poems would go deeper. The manuscripts would go deeper. So the jaji could teach at the level of the students. Bam. There you go. Teaching degree right there. <laughs> The majority of the women that Nana and her jaji served wore divorcees, widows, girls between the age of 8 and 12, and women above 45. They targeted specifically these women. They really sought out these women because they were the ones who were at the highest risk of maltreatment and neglect in society. Of course, they taught everybody who wanted to be taught and to learn, but... These were the women that the Jaji actively sought out. 
but the Jaji were not simply teaching verses and poems and literature. They were working as midwives, cleaning the bodies of women for funerals, cleaning mosques, teaching children how to read and write, counseling women, providing medical treatment, teaching basic hygiene, and and just simply filling all the roles that needed to be done, serving the community in whatever way they needed to be served. To be a Jaji required a ton of training and education, which was all created and taught by Nana herself. And it was not easy. It was super demanding work, and they had to go everywhere in all seasons, open to the elements, sometimes alone, and they were young women and older women alike. So how did one become a jaji? A prospective jaji had to essentially go to a jaji school and pass an inspection and a test administered by Nana. When the women passed, they would receive a red scarf to tie around their heads and hijab to show that they were now officially jaji. All over the caliphate, it was known that if you saw a woman with a red ribbon around her hijab, she was about to bring you some learning. The jaji became a symbol of the new state, the new order, and of Islamic learning outside of women's communities, outside of the caliphate, and all over the world. Nana was a prolific writer. Among her more than 60 surviving works that she wrote over a period of 40 years, Nana Asmao left behind a large body of poetry in Arabic, the Fula language, and Hausa, all written in Arabic script. They ranged from historical narratives to elegies, which is a kind of like sad poem for the dead, and lament poems, which are personal narratives about something that you're super duper sad about, and admonitions, admonitions, which is a super serious warning about something. And side note, my friend, I had to look up all these poetry things because I don't know what they are. And the more I do this podcast, the more I realize TK don't know shit about shit. And the world is really big, get really small. And sometimes it makes me feel dumb. But we're not dumb, we're learning. We're always learning. Anyways, even though I don't understand the poems, somebody does, and I am super grateful about that. So, Nana's poems of guidance became tools for teaching the founding principles of the caliphate. She outlived most of the founding generation of the caliphate, to be honest, and was an important source of guidance to later rulers. And just to add, like, a little history cherry on top, a lot of the work that she wrote now serves as historical documents that give modern historians an incredibly clear picture of the turbulent political atmosphere at the time. Her writings continue to be read, memorized, and recited this concept of making education accessible, especially to women, continues into the 21st century and has expanded all over the world. <laughs> 
The Jaji system would continue on until the late 1800s. Nana would see it at its height and bear witness to the beautiful impact that she had on the women of her region and beyond. She changed the political scene alongside her father and brother. She trained women to help themselves and others. And she was able to touch the lives of women and girls who had been cast out and oppressed. She had such an impact on the education of women that in Nigeria today, many Islamic women's organizations, schools, and meeting halls are named after her. Nana would live a long and beautiful life and passed away peacefully at the age of 71 in her home, surrounded by her loving family. Well, my dear friend, we have come to our final thought. And I, I was honestly really at a loss as to what I could bring to you for our final thought today. Usually something jumps out at me or doesn't quite fit into the story, but I want to tell you anyways, and, and that is how I come upon the final thought. But there really wasn't anything like that in my research this time. It was honestly the hardest part of making this episode. But after racking my brain, I thought in the spirit of Nana Asmao and all the other women in the world who advocate and fight for women's rights and education, just to say thank you. Thank you to all teachers out there, and not just formal in-school teachers, but all the people who are in a position of educating others. You are so important, and never let anybody tell you any different. And I just want to say, thank you. That is all I have for you today, my friend. Thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. There are few things in this world that I love more than a history about an amazing woman that ends happily. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more For the Love of History content, I will be posting bonus episodes on Patreon from now on. And for just $2 a month, you can support a podcaster. <laughs> you know those really sad commercials with what's that lady's name? The in the arms of the angel. You know those commercials. Anyways, sorry. Off track. So, for just $2 a month, you can get bonus episodes, postcards, stickers, and a 15% discount on all for the love of mystery merch. Or, if you'd like to make a one-time donation to the beverages and books fund that keeps me caffeinated and able to produce the best content for you, you can go to the link in my bio or on the show notes and give a one-time donation. But you don't have to. You know what would also be cool? If you told your friend about this podcast. Because word of mouth is the number one way that people hear and start listening to podcasts. You know all the pictures of today's episode will be on Instagram, so go check that out and I will see you on October 1st for our first spooky, ooky episode of October, the history of haunted houses. Okay, can't wait to see you. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. Drink your water. Okay, love you. Bye! 
Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs>